Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse. I'm your host, Chance, and today we're going to be getting deep into the culture of permanent growth installations and amazing uh, biomechanically sound buildings, bamboo structures, all kinds of amazing jungle juice <laughs> knowledge from <laughs> our new friend, Topher, also known as Christopher Gardiner. So we've got Gardener and Garten, ready to bring the heat. There you go. <laughs> People yeah. call me Gardener all the time. They they mix that up. So, yeah, you can find Christopher's work or Topher's work at Bio Charisma on Instagram. We'll link that in the show notes, and maybe we'll have him on uh, his own Telegram channel soon. I definitely would like to see that. I would I would join up and do my best to add it to my list of fifty thousand things that <laughs> I have going on on that social media. It's the only one I'm really using now. And since I'm on that subject, check out our Telegram channel. If you haven't started using that, it's the best way to circumvent the shadow banning and the censorship that's going on around the web and connect with like-minded people. It's super amazing. So Topher, he's down in Costa Rica right now, calling in live from a, a dome-shaped sound studio. Pretty amazing. And there's a lot of things we could talk about today. Like I said, he's an expert in growing and building with bamboo and using organic materials. And I believe permaculture, maybe regenerative agriculture could be a word for what he does. He's got the knowledge about how the things on this earth grow and how we can use them in balance and harmony with nature. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm really excited to talk to Topher today. What's up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. A little, a little bit hot down here. I left uh, the Ozarks up in your neck of the woods. And the weather was, you know, in the 30s and 40s there. And here it's today, it's, you know, mid 80s to 90 degrees. So I'm in the only air conditioned spot in the entire farm. So I'm, I'm a happy camper. Nice. Yeah, I totally forgot to bring that up that you actually have been bouncing around my neck of the woods, which is cool. And we're going to have to meet up soon. And you're coming back in a little while. Are you stuck in Costa Rica for cooties reasons or what's going on there? Yeah, the cooties got me last week. I was supposed to fly back and uh, the, the cooties just jumped up and bit me. <laughs> the, today's like the first day I can go get tested to see if I'm, you know, alive <laughs> and non-transmissible, I guess. You know, all the shenanigans that they got going on. But um, Are you I'm even just, ill? Because the, uh, the tests are so bogus. I actually, this is the second time I've gotten... Uh, what they're claiming to be, you know, the Corona. The first time I got the Corona, it was, it was much more profound. It was like a, it was a, uh, a wonderfully deep hallucinogenic experience. This time was just more of like body aches and pains. I, I would liken this more to like a, a normal fever. Um, but it was it is weird. It's not the same thing that I've experienced in the past. You know, not that I used to get all that many fevers, but what was really weird here is that everyone got it at the same time and it was directly correlated to a very unique weather pattern. So, I really wonder what it actually is because this this weather pattern came in here that, that never occurs during January and then all of a sudden everyone's sick. So kind of I don't I don't know what's causing it. I don't know what it actually is, but we all displayed the same symptoms. We all at least my peer my peer group. Um 
we all got it at the same time and went through it all at the same time. So it's very odd. That happened with my family around here too. And seemingly coinciding with the public announcement of flipping the switch to turn on the 5G. Mm-hmm. And from what we know in past conversations on this show and our own personal research, I'm sure everyone out there that there's definitely a link between EMF and illness and also a link between weather modification and frequency fences that are built through these towers and structures like that. So could be uh, like with the whole germ theory versus, versus terrain theory, it's a complicated and confusing question, especially when you see a lot of people all come down with something similar at the same time. But one thing that is probably talked about by some people, but I don't hear it talked about a lot, is the electrical side of our health. Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm super into and fascinated by and even use in my personal healing modalities, the sound is electricity. So I wonder if the weather patterns you saw maybe had something to do with what everybody got because... It's, like I, a, it's a vibe thing. I completely like I'm I'm kind of a weird cat because I think the majority of the weather that we experience is synthetic. I don't. What That's I've not wit- a weird opinion around here. <laughs> <laughs> what I've been witnessing in the Midwest, because here in the tropics, you always have a ton of transpiration. So you always have a, a, a lot of moisture all the time being pumped up into the air. But for since 2011, I could see them, you know, doing the high aerosol spraying here. And of course, you know, everywhere in the world is touched by cellular services. So my permaculture training in my natural philosophy training started with the whole notion that like peaks of, of mountains where you have a very specific ionization pattern. And so I got a little bit depressed in the early 2010s, seeing like all these peaks of mountains having the cell towers on it. Cause I knew from my training that that, that changes the ionization pattern. Um, and it can warp whatever the natural flow flow state is. And here the whole agricultural scene is predicated on, you know, everything going to flower, like down here, it's the dry season. And so everything you know, goes to flower right now. So if you have huge rains right now, it knocks all the flowers and then you don't have any fruit. And so we've been having very, very unseasonable, heavy rain this, this year down here. And all my campesino friends are like, oh man, this is, we're not going to have any mangoes. We're not going to have any of this fruit or that fruit. So I don't think any of it is at least what I'm witnessing now relative to what I used to witness. I don't think any of it's natural. I think it's a, I think it is a man-made thing. Yeah. It seems like there's a theme going on right now to make food shortages, the, the uh, next big crises. And probably, you know, it's been said before by plenty of people that the next lockdown will be climate lockdown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I read all this stuff years and years ago. Um, (laughs) Oddly enough, I was doing a permaculture job down in Panama and my client happened to be an, an ex four star general and he was getting me into either three or four star. I don't know, but he was getting me into looking at what Codex Alimentarius was in uh, Agenda 21 and its amendments, Agenda 2030. 
and all this stuff, they, they pretty much wrote out exactly what their, what their plan was, was to do. So the one thing I was kind of taken aback by was I was really surprised. Like when, when they wrote out, rolled out the cooties, how effective that was. Like that was like, that completely and utterly changed the culture down here. Like the, um, the social dynamic went from one of like Puda Vida, everybody's like really chill and happy and personable to like a very tense, you know, you're going to make my grandma sick type thing. So um, I have to give it to these nefarious people. They're, they're very, they're diabolically genius in a way. Like, it's like, whoa, like there's a lot of uh, thought and intention that's gone into this. So um, I think, you know, the more people can actually have their, have their calories close. uh, I think that's really the smartest way to go as we, as we push on into the future. Yeah. Yeah. Let's expand on that. I mean, you've got plenty to teach us about, permaculture and things that you've been working on for years. Like I'm personally aware of your journey of how you got to where you are from hearing you talk to different podcast friends of mine, but maybe we could kind of rewind a little bit and introduce people to Topher and the magical journey from Florida, I believe right into Costa Rica and next to the Ozarks. I'm not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm definitely not upset that we'll be able to convene in person. I've got some awesome friends I'd love to introduce you to that maybe you could help them on their properties. Yeah, really exciting. Oh, I'm I'm stoked. I'm I'm so stoked to be up there. It's like uh my my natural natural philosophy teachers, they were all from like, you know, the 40 to 50 latitude, so coming down to the tropics was like, you know, <laughs> a complete and utter uh I guess you would say um, misplaced education, but uh, my my particular, I guess you would say genetic background prefers being up in in the the non neotropical environment and in a, in a more heavily wooded environment. So I'm excited to see see what we can create up there. I know I know in reason the the calorie density up there is much, much higher. So that gets me excited. Like that's something that's like, okay, we, these, these, uh, the land in the Ozarks can really produce a lot of food. So that's, uh, that's exciting for me. Yeah. So let's talk about what you do for people as a, you know, permaculture designer and builder. What, what are some of the projects that you've been involved with recently and how do you lend assistance with your knowledge and skills? Uh, well, the main, what I've been doing, I guess, since 2008 or so, like I, I, I lived on an organic farm that, that gave PDCs, which are perma, permaculture design courses, and then also taught uh, biodynamics. So when I lived on that farm uh, for three years, I was the the greenhouse manager, essentially. Like I planted everything in the greenhouse. I did all the composting. I uh, managed the chicken refuse. I did all those types of things while I was like, (laughs) I was like a full immersion type thing. And the owners of that particular farm started another farm where they were going full on into animal husbandry at the same time. And they, at the time, 
they were selling lots on that on that land to actually um, everything was going to be rolled in, like all of your calories would be rolled into your monthly cost. So you get all your cow, your pig, your chicken, your fish, everything was going to come from that particular farm. And uh, so for two years intensively, I worked with the farm manager there to go ahead and essentially uh, terraform this, this 27 hectare property, run all the water lines, um, do all the aquaculture and all that type of stuff. And I did all this just like I, I wasn't paid for any of it. I was learning like the whole thing for me was learning. And my thought process was is like, this is where I'm going to live and whatever sweat equity I put into the farm, then I can roll that into value and, and actually get a piece of property for my then wife and I. And um, it was just an, an amazing four year journey of like learning the tropics and learning pretty much dispelling all the new age philosophy that I had absorbed up into that point. Cause before I moved to Costa Rica, I had lived in an ashram for four years. And while I was in that ashram, even though we weren't, you know, quote unquote within the new age per se, like we weren't, you know, um, propounding a lot of the, the things that are out there. It, there was still this air of spiritual superiority that kind of permeated, you know? And one of the big things with that was uh, the notion of vegetarianism and vegan as may, being an, a higher choice. And so when I went that route, the problem was my body um, did not, didn't vibe with it at all. Like I ended up getting pretty sick. And uh, so when I moved to Costa Rica, I ended up the farm that I was at, they turned me on to Weston Price's work. And then I was like, boom, Weston Price. And then Weston Price's information completely meshed extremely well with uh, Callum Coates and Victor Schauberger and uh, uh, Rudolf Steiner and all these folks. And so I kind of found my... uh, my spiritual footing with a hybrid between all that stuff (laughs) and then all the all the while being able to apply things so i got to see like things that were like you know pretty magical like you know when you tell somebody you could take a bullhorn and then you could take ashings from you know specific insects and then take some crystal dust and you know pack it into this this bullhorn with your intention and put one bullhorn on one end of the farm and another bullhorn on the other part of the farm and point the the horns at each other and it work <laughs> like it actually transmit your intention and like increase the productivity and all this other stuff like none of that makes sense to the layman like people that aren't um aren't privy to the way energetics and radionics work that's like a that's a shocking thing to tell them. You know, most people think of, of life from a, from a chemistry perspective, a chemistry only perspective or a billiard ball only perspective. But once you start getting into these higher orders of, of permaculture and biodynamics, you start to understand that you're essentially grounding intention and our bodies are 
are God's antenna. Like we're like the little uh, mobile villi that are on top of, you know, this, this plane of inertia. And being this mobile villi, we're just like the villi on top of cells, you know, the, the, the villi on a cell, you know, is, is constantly, you know, transceiving information. And then during that, that like signals the environment and the environment signals back. And the whole thing is this beautiful reciprocal play that's always happening. So these sciences, well, I should say these processes, like especially with biodynamics, what you're doing is you're just anchoring your, your knowingness through some sort of physical apparatus and some physical act. You're anchoring that and signaling that to the land and letting the land know that you are working in conjunction with it. And when you do that, the land always, at least in my experience, the land always just, you know, responds and gives back immediately. So it really is like an amplifier of intention. And so um, I'm not a particularly good person with uh, when it comes to like the, the, the specific mechanics of gardening. You know, there are people I know that are just like, they know every plant, they know every seed, they know exactly the, the pHs of the, the substrate, all this stuff. But one thing I am very good at is intention and then um, anchoring intention. And a lot of what I've been working on as of late with my clients is how to do that from a perimeter protect perspective. and. Um, yeah, letting that intention because your land, like if you let your land know that you have a certain protect intention, also the land will <laughs> will uh, call in the uh, I guess you would say the reinforcements to help with that also. So um, yeah, I guess I'll stop there and then we can go into any venue a little bit deeper if you like. <laughs> oh man, there's there's a lot there. Like yeah, um, I guess I'll try to respond to a few things. The interesting point about living at an ashram for four years and how even though it wasn't new age it's old stuff really the new a lot of the issues with new age is that it's the old cage just dressed up with different gurus than before right (laughs) yeah um it's a touchy subject i mean i would never tell someone what their diet should be i've experimented with both uh i've talked about it on the show pretty recently how five years of veganism I didn't get ill, but I was like stunted in my ability to get stronger athletically and maybe other ways that you just, it's really hard and subtle to, to tell what your diet's doing for you. And like, I think that we should be kind of the way that nomadic humans were, which is that your diet isn't the same all the time. It's more seasonal and changes a lot. And in today's age, it's difficult to pull that off, but yeah, um want to talk about so many of the things that you brought up. Um I I've got a list of them so I won't forget, but <laughs> one of the most recent parts of it was you were discussing anchoring intention with yeah. the different uh radionic devices and there's a lot of parts of that I want to piece together for people, but have you heard our interviews with Mitch the organ donor or heard him elsewhere? Yeah, I, I told I need to have a mind meld with him because I have I don't know exactly what he's doing. I've gone to his website after listening to him on your on your 
on your channel. Um, I think he's doing some wonderful stuff. I mean, I got into all this, all, I guess you'd say the radionics side of things back in the day. Cause I was installing orgone accumulators into cars to have the cars run better. Have that you ever, works. Heard, have you ever heard of a Joe cell? No, 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 this is some good stuff. I want to <laughs> learn me, learn me about it. Okay. So, so there's a principle in, in, I guess you would just say agriculture. Whenever you have a cylinder and the cylinder is accompanied by something that's hard and soft, hard and soft, like say you have a cylinder within a cylinder within a cylinder, like think of a bamboo stand. That bamboo sand, in reality, if you're looking top down, is just a matrix of all of these cellulitic straws that are going from a high voltage, which is high, to a low voltage, which is the ground, right? And these things sway back and forth, and they're known as a bioaccumulator in, in agriculture. So whenever you plant these things, you can have a multiplicity effect that will start to occur because... They attracts, it pulls water up, it attracts certain types of other plant life, it attracts other certain type of um, animal life. But in general, it will multiply the amount of biomass and flora and fauna on the property wherever you plant it. So there are palm trees that are these very, very hard on the outside and very, very soft on the inside. So I don't know if you've ever eaten heart of palm, but essentially heart of palm is you have a palm tree, you know, they cut the top of the palm tree off. And then then the, the center, the center part of the top of the head of it is this really like soft, semi-sweet uh, material, but that's in the, and that's in the very center of the tree. That's it's like the exact opposite of like where we live in the Ozarks, where like if you cut a maple tree or you cut a uh, a walnut tree, if you go to the center, that's where the hardest wood is. Right. You couldn't. Yeah, and the bark can be kind of soft on the outside. <laughs> so it's the opposite. So in nature, wherever you have a hard outside and a soft inside, you have a bioaccumulator. And this guy named Joe who knows what his real name was, he figured out in the 80s in Australia, he figured out, well, huh, if I have a cylinder of metal and then I put another cylinder of metal that's inside of it, like a little Russian doll thing, like a cylinder within a cylinder within a cylinder. And between all these cylinders, I have water. And I don't do electrolysis, electrolysis where I put, you know, some sort of salt in the water to create the current to, you know, dissolve the metal. What if I just send frequency through this and allow these cylinders to um, play with the water? And he found a very specific ratio of one cylinder with another cylinder within another cylinder. And it was very similar to what Wilhelm Reich found when he was making his original cloud busters was he found like, okay, these cylinders, if I put a certain ratio of these cylinder widths to each other, that creates a more effective uh, apparatus, right? So um, Joe figured out, okay, I can throw this in an old V8 Chevy and, you know, send a 12 volt charge across this at a certain frequency. And it produces a very particular type of gas and not unlike, you know, Weissman's Brown's gas, 
but it's a little bit different because at no point are you adding any type of, like I said, any salt, any electrolyte to the water. So you're not actually dissolving the metal plates. It has everything to do with the shape of, you know, these cylinders and the type of water you put into it. And so you funnel that into your air intake and it creates a very specific type of effect with carbureted cars, especially um, that essentially we were getting anywhere from 20 to 40% increase in our, in our, in our mileage when we were doing that. So I got into that and a friend of mine had invented what he called the Mojo cell. His name is Moshe. <laughs> and instead of having a Joe cell where it's cylinders, he's like, huh, well, what about structured cavity effect where instead of having, you know, a cylinder, you actually have spheres and you have a sphere within a sphere within a sphere within a sphere. So for a couple of years, I was installing those and, and putting those in cars and, and uh, until I got scared out of it. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, we were having some very specific effects with it, but I used all that. Oh, you hold on. You you gotta, you can't leave us hanging on that. <laughs> yeah. We, we got visited. Like we, we had, uh, we had, um, we got two of the Mojo cells in resonance one night and we were going to install it in an, in an old Land Rover and we were working because we found with, with when you're creating orgone, um, it's probably a lot like what you do with tuning forks. I, I mean, I, I'm very uneducated with music, so excuse me if I speak incorrectly. But when you get two of these cells in a resonant, um, harmonious conjunction with each other, it has a multiplying effect on the space. So it's like, I guess it's like the whole premise, you know, where two or more are gathered in my name type thing. So yeah, with, uh, with tuning forks, a lot of times, like a lot of the session, I actually use two forks at once, not just one. Right. And uh, a lot of what I'm doing has to do with like the interplay between them and the space between them. But that's a side note. So imagine we are doing that with these mojo cells. And what we were actually getting to resonate was the water. We were getting the frequency of the water to resonate from one cell to the other. And when it happened, we all felt it. There was, I'd say, the, the inventor and myself, we were attuned to being sensitive to it. But there were like six other people in our space that had no idea, like, really what we were doing and everybody's heart chakra open. Everybody went boom. And like my old father-in-law, God rest his soul. He, he even felt it. And he was like, not a sensitive man. Like he was <laughs> probably three sheets to the wind. And he, even he was like, Whoa, what, what was that? And um, so we went to sleep. It was right around midnight when we got it to, to work. I woke up bright and early the next day, like I was all jazzed to get into it. And uh, my friend was camping in the backyard and she came in and she's like, Topher, do you know there's a helicopter over the house? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, there's, uh, there's a helicopter over the house. And it was 530. It was like, it was right at dusk, essentially, is dawn, excuse me. So I walk outside 
and there's this silhouette of a whoop whoop chopper right over us. And it was exactly like what I had seen in the movies. It was like, and unless you knew it was out there, like unless you were looking up, you would never would have gone outside to look. Right. So it was like a quieter chopper. Yeah. They're they're the silent ones. They're, I I forget the, the mate, the, like the make of them, but they could be in a residential area and you never know it. That's wild. Yeah. You you were doing something right. You know, I'm inclined to think that that's like intimidation tactics, but not necessarily like you got to put a stop to it, but I could definitely see how that would, uh, like I have, I've experienced this in my personal life and it's maybe hard to articulate, but that whenever there, um, we, we are frequency, we are vibration. And whenever a new level is attained a, a new level of resonance or harmony or you're about to attain it. Even this even applies to like going on a journey or a trip that is going to take you somewhere far away, or even on like a psychedelic journey. There's often, if not always, some kind of like boogeyman energy that shows up, like uh, almost like symbolically, like the Baphomet that's guarding wisdom with a scary, with a with a scary symbol that is like a test to make you decide are you going to push forward or is this going to scare like freak you out or scare you off and right. um, so anyway that's kind of what it makes me think of is that like there's usually there's usually some guardian of the threshold whenever a new level is at hand yeah i i have a little bit different take of this specific instance because we essentially created a clean spot so we were in a very electro polluted area of South Florida when we did that. And so when we had these Oregon accumulators start to resonate, it cleared the space. So it wasn't until I saw the Heath Ledger Batman, where they showed the technology of the interference patterns of the cell phones and which made sort of like a sonar 3d, you know, scan of everything. It wasn't until I saw that where it's like, ah, what we did was we essentially that the bubble that we created just kind of like cleared that interference pattern. That's how they could triangulate us like that. Because we weren't using we weren't using any advanced stuff at all, like nothing. We had a frequency generator. We had two different frequency generators. We had a harmonic generator. Uh, you know, just we were using 12 volt batteries. We made our own you know, uh, circuits and stuff like that. Like it was like, is, is garage, you know, like nothing fancy, (laughs) but it works. It was one of these things that it really worked. And so, um, and then they did use other intimidation tactics. Like they used, you know, they had other people, you know, buzzing us, you know, for a time being and stuff like that. But what we found, the more interesting thing about all of this was it really started to teach me about orgone and door, because what we figured out was door we, being deadly orgone radiation for people that missed that. Right. You're, you're good. <laughs> Sorry if I uh, if I if I go off. Oh, you're good. This is I'm, I'm so loving this conversation, man. <laughs> this is this is awesome. So with the what we found was with these organ accumulators, when we put them in cars, they would function great outside of cities. And this was before the 3G network really hit. So 
smartphones were just like, you know, just starting to get popular. You know, the iPhone, I think it just came out. And um, so 3G was like really new on the scene. So you could drive in between cities and have like a good run where we would test, you know, 80, 90% efficiency on our, on our devices, which was incredible, especially because we, we were driving some bigger automobiles that were only, only on average got like 12, 13 miles a gallon. And we were getting, you know, 21, 22 miles a gallon. So we were having really, really good results. But the second we would enter these areas that were essentially, you know, webified with (laughs) all the 3G, it was like our efficiencies would plummet. And like, you know, my scan gauges in the different cars would just go apeshit. And so um, at the time I got into like, okay, what is it that I can do to actually insulate these, these orgone accumulators? I need to find some way to, to insulate them from all the dirty electricity, from all the microwave radiation. And so all this was all piggybacking on what I was learning about water and water's, um, I guess, distaste for microwave radiation. It was like it, there, there's something about microwave radiation that creates a, a disassociation with the water. It's an adjutant to the water that drops its um, its portal, like it's... Because to me, water is the universal solvent, not just to me, but like the way I see it, it's the universal solvent. So it always has the opportunity to act like a portal and it will, it will be a portal for, for anyone, especially that gives any love to it. But whenever you're, you're in a, in a space where the majority of the consciousness there is unaware of that. And the majority of the consciousness is, let's just say giving attention to lower octave things, it's very hard to like actually (laughs) move through that space and still uh, extract a higher valence of, of energy from it. If that makes any sense. I wish we could explain this to my mom and dad, they microwave their food all the time. And I'm just like, no, (laughs) but uh, actually they just got a, like a convection toaster oven so that's better good for them that's so much better for them yeah yeah okay there's a lot here though what we just went over really really (laughs) fascinating i'd like to see you talk to wiseman about fuel saving technology i mean are you gonna like create some internet courses about these inventions and uh experiments that you were doing someday because but a lot of people would like to give some of this a try and your friend Moshe, I thought yeah. that was an interesting name because Moshe in Hebrew is initiate, which is where we get Moses from. Yeah. That's, you know, Moses was the parter of waters and all that. Yeah. And Moshe, like we're best friends to this day. And he's had Weissman on his podcast. He's a naturopathic doctor. And oh, so cool. I've, I've been talking to George indirectly because I've, I've had to tune a bunch of his, his devices for my clients. So, um, I, I have had correspondence with him. I just haven't had it in a, in a podcast venue yet. It's been much more of a technical affair. 
I like to bring two people together on my show that otherwise haven't spoken. So I'm going to pocket that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that'd be a lot of fun. Because for me, what he's doing with the water torch, the water torch is what's actually happening inside the car. So this is the fun. This is where I get juice. I'm, a, I'm sort of an excitable guy. So I'm learning about Oregon and they're like, and you know, in high school, I did all the electrolysis stuff and chemistry and yada, yada, yada. Like none of that really excited me. But I was, I was reading all these cats and I was reading Joe from the Joe cell. And he was talking about, yeah, when you actually create orgone enriched water, when you light it, the fire that it creates, number one, it implodes. It doesn't explode. And it's the second I heard of implosion, I was instantly like Victor Schauberger. Woo, yes, implosion. So I was like, well, this is an easy experiment because I know the difference between implosion and explosion. So I remember I got my mojo and I was charging the water and I did everything that Moshe told me to do. And uh, he, he had all these disclaimers on his side at the time. I was like, whatever you do, don't light this inside. <laughs> of course, I lit it inside. So I, I went ahead and got the, this like really good cappuccino foam layer on the top of the water. And I was like, it was like the micro like nano bubbles. Right. And my then father-in-law, he was, he came from a family of experimenters and I came from a family of experimenters. So we were both like, yeah, let's do it. So I went ahead and lit a match and brought it to like, you know, the, the little cappuccino foam on top. And this guy was half deaf. Like he literally couldn't hear out of his right ear. And immediately there was an implosion that went like it pulled our, my eardrums out and he could hear through his right ear. And like the, 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 it, it was like a reverse snap sound. Like it wasn't like a pressure wave pushing in. It was like, you know, a vacuum being applied to your eardrums pulling out. And I was like, holy shit, it works. <laughs> and he was like, my God, what is this stuff? And it was so neat because I had a temperature gun on the water too. And the temperature dropped. So that's, that's a sign of implosion too. And I was like, this is for real. Like this is what's going on. So when George Weissman said he accidentally, you know, made this gas and then lit it and then was like, okay, this is like, you know, uh, from one perspective, you have, uh, this is important. You have a lot of fun talking about what temperature is because uh, all of us like real, real uh, natural philosopher nerds. Like once, once you start talking about temperature, that's when you're getting into the real juice of the matter. So if you put a, a, a let's say an infrared gun on it, it's, it's going to read, you know, God knows what temperature, two, 3000 degrees, but then you could run the flame over your hand and it does nothing to you. And so what your understanding is, is that this gaseous medium, the best way I could say this again is this gaseous medium is creating the opportunity for there to be an energy exchange at a very, very high, how should I say it? 
at, at one of the highest levels possible on the material realm. So the, the, the gas is like actually creating this, this space for an energetic exchange. I don't want to say electricity because it, people have the idea of electricity as being electrons as like these little like billiard balls of electrons bouncing around, but that's not what it is at all. It's, it's the ability to do work. So, um, as Victor Schauberger would say, he would say that electricity is temperature differential. And then you go into your mind and you're like, what is temperature? What is differential? And then the greater the polarity in the differential, the greater ability to do work. So it gets really fun. So there's something that's unique about water as a medium where it gives the highest potential for work to be done. And so if you know how to play with water in the way it wants to be played with, it will do that for you. And I'm of the, of the mind that our memory, like we started this conversation off by me talking about how our bodies are like little villi <laughs> on the cell. Of like we're, you know, transceiving information with our, our greater environment. Well, I think the villi are within this, like, uh, within humidity. We're, we're always swimming in water, even though we, we feel like we're in the fluid of air. We're always within, like, this, you know, uh, very subtle water body. And the water body is what actually gives the capacity for memory and gives the capacity for energetic exchange. So there's all these ways that we can play with water in a way that it can amplify that. And as we were talking about before, a door can, you know, de-amplify that can, can be uh, somewhat uh, of, a, of a weapon, something that's destructive. So um, I'm just fascinated by all of it. There's so many like simple little things that you can do. And like, I would love to talk to Mitch about how, how he's composing his, his little contraptions and seeing what his ratios of his, of his metals to salts into, in his, in his uh, epoxies are. Um, because I've, I found all of those technologies to be hyper effective like hyper effective, like it really does work. Yeah. You were talking about cylinders and his earth pipes are cylindrical. I want to say that it's like a 50, at least a 50% metal in there. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm kind of mind blown about this conversation on temperature. I'd mm -hmm. like, if there's more that we can riff on about what's different regarding temperature from the average person's conception of it to what the natural philosopher might discover. I, I'm really fascinated by this and what you're saying about water holding the capacity to do work in our memory being in, in, inherently tied to this water body. I say that all the time we're underwater right now. You never aren't yeah. in water mm -hmm. and my, yeah, my work in the sound healing has demonstrated to me conclusively, at least from my subjective perspective, that memory doesn't exist in the body in a physical location in a cellular filing cabinet that you can open up and pull out the, this is what I did on Tuesday, March 3rd, 1990. 
or whatever. It's not there, but it's in the, it's in the plasma itself in the plasma of your biofield. It isn't really physical. It's like you said, I like how you put it. The electricity is the capacity to do work mm-hmm. because the way I understand plasma currently is that it's not a physical medium, but it's the structure and flow of energy in, in a container, you could say, or within a membrane or a sheath. So it's the interplay and the, the movement and the directional flow of energy or electricity that is the plasma itself. So it's kind of like, it's not exactly a state of matter in the same way, although matter could be seen as this same uh, phenomenon, just at a lower, slower scale. So with memory, I've found that like our ability to hold our, our life force energy in our vessel and in, in our integrity of the, the membrane or sheath around our auric field has everything to do with how much of ourself we can hold at once, how much we can remember about our whole life, how much we can know about who we are and why we incarnated on the realm and our connection to all of nature and all of life. And it's these punctures actually in the, the membrane, in the plasma sheath around our aura that cause us to lose ourself. I call it, I call it the memory hole because you're like leaking light and that light is your life force and it's your memory and it's your knowledge of who you really are. And so like we've been trained as a culture to feed our light to others, you know, to allow those punctures, to allow that draining to happen, that self-sacrifice in that way is like what makes you a good person. But really we, and that's where we like, um, we forget, we forget all kinds of stuff. And that's, so whenever we reach a higher level of integrity in our vessel, I, it happens to me all the time. There's like these thresholds where all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I, I know this. I, I already knew this. And, but for a time, but while you were at a lower state vibrationally, you could say, or you had less, um, a, a more porous container and you were, you know, leaking all over the place, then you forget things that were inherent or crucial to who you always knew that you were, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So I call that the memory hole, <laughs> the holes right. in your field that make you lose, that, that you lose yourself through. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it, the majority of parasites, you know, whether they're micro or macro parasites are always trying to puncture, puncture you. Yeah, One way rape, rape needles, vampires, uh, <laughs> ticks. And all of it. I, mean, I think, I think biblically they say don't get, you know, tattoos, not, not necessarily because of the scarification, but it's because you're being punctured. It's creating a trauma in your field, you know? And so, um, it's very, I, I love the way you describe that. Like uh, my longest held profession is that of massage therapist. Like I've been a body worker for 23 years. And so I never knew how to explain it till just a few years ago. But when I would come across somebody that was living a very earnest life, like let's say that they were being as honest as possible. And they were also, um, honest and thought word indeed. Like they, they were living their truth. They, those people, their, their field 
would have very few of these holes, as you would say. And I, I think the first time I reached out to you, I talked to you, I think I talked to you because I loved your description of it, of like, there's like Swiss cheese, like in people's, in uh, like a, a person's auric body. It was something like that. And I was just like, man, he's got it because I could feel that. Like when you work on people and you can like feel the presence, like you'll go through like these like dead pockets, like around their body. And I'd be like, huh. And then as I would get to know the, the my different clients and like see and like feel their, their, their body presence and then their more subtle presence. And then I would get to know their trauma history. It'd be like, oh my goodness. And like, I would say of the thousands of people that I worked on, there's probably only two the entire time I worked on where they were completely whole. Like, and that's something like, that's something to be said, like to the point where when I, when I, when I felt that and I was around these people, I was like, I really wanted to get to know them. I was like, how did this occur? <laughs> like, how, how are you an intact being? Cause it is a rare, rare thing. I don't know how much of that you found in, in your practice with the uh, tuning forks, but my goodness, like. I've never gone into a session with somebody and their, their field was perfectly in balance to begin. And I measure it with dowsing rods to know uh -huh. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even encountered something recently that I'd never encountered before where there was a sacral chakra that was completely offline, like did not register when measured. And that was pretty interesting. Had to do with um, third eye basically taking on all the role of the, the sacral due to being worried about the future mostly. But uh, yeah, at the end of the session, all those, those concentric rings that we call chakras to go back to the conversation before I found that most interesting that uh, that concept of concentric rings of metal with the water in the cylinder shape, causing mm -hmm. this resonance and interplay with the water, because it makes perfect sense that if you build something that reflects the way nature is structured, you'd get, a positive result of, you know, there'd be life force energy would accumulate and attract to that structure, just like the rings of a tree, just like the way the arc field works, just like at least how I conceive of current in my current uh, build of cosmological conception that the realm has these concentric rings uh, of land and, and ice walls and all that, but, mm -hmm. uh, and um, what you call toric torus fields around each one. And the, like that's how I think that's where the phrase the ring of truth even comes from on a spiritual level. <laughs> the mm -hmm. ring of truth is like if you can encounter something or conceive of something with this in this structure that reflects the way the rest of nature operates and is shaped, then you will probably be on to something true and correct. So it's the ring of truth. Yeah, that makes sense to me, you know, because I had I had a, a mentor that was a Raja Yogi and he could do a lot of really, really magnificent things like, you know, for a period of time. It didn't it didn't stick with him, but for a period of time when he was in a very clear space, like he could levitate, he could change weather patterns, he could he could do some really remarkable things. and. 
he, he gave me some really cool tidbits. Like he was like, you know, nature always is signaling subtly, always. And it's always a repeat signal. It's a repeat signal. It's a repeat signal. And so, and it's just because we don't really listen. <laughs> We're not like really alert to what it's actually signaling, you know? And so that always stuck with me because he was telling me this as we were watching waves, you know, lap on the, on the shore. And I was like, ah, yeah, there's always a, you know, there's not one leaf in a tree. There's a billion leaves in the tree. There's not like, you know, one cloud in the sky. There's like, you know, there's always a, a, a continual subtle signaling. And like when we learn how to signal back, it's, it's a repetition. And so when you have a cylinder within a cylinder within a cylinder, you're letting nature know that, you know, like the biomimicry thing is real. You're like, Oh, I got your signal. Now I'm repeating the signal back to you. Oh, I see. I see. Like when you really want to protect something in nature, you put a a sheathing of diamagnetic material around it, so no, you know, electrical signal can get to it. Why is that? You you just you say okay, because this is my own personal experience. Like if you can correctly interpret the signals that are coming at you. If you just show like one iota of intelligence and and will to repeat that pattern back to her, boom, you're you're in abundance. She's going to give you whatever you want. She's just waiting for us to re- repeat the signal back to her. Cuz she's our she's our mother. She's really wants us to do well. Like <laughs> she really wants us to have what we want to have. Like she really wants us to be, you know, like her How does a teacher body. teach a teacher shows you by doing it in front of you and then like, okay, now you do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just, we're just little biomimicry machines, you know, it's just like, I I've never created anything, even though I hybridize lots of stuff, even all my little hybridizations that I do, I'm literally just, you know, I see it in, in one venue and then I just repeat it in another venue. That's, that's all that's going on. So cool. <laughs> this is, man, I knew we were going to have fun, but this conversation's blown my mind big time. There's a lot of interesting places that we haven't even touched on that maybe we'll find time for in the second hour. Like maybe talk a little bit more about biodynamics. I'd like to find out your thoughts on Shawburger, maybe introduce the audience to Shawburger who, ha- who haven't heard of his work. He's a really interesting character that I need to look more into myself. Um, questions about, I have questions about the biomimicry that you do with how you build mm-hmm. structures and the benefits of not a rectangle or square <laughs> structure. That's right. some really interesting stuff. So we've got all that, maybe even some bamboo too. We'll see what we fit in. We may just go on to tangents like we did for this first hour that are mind blowing and more valuable than anything I could have planned for with pre-prepared questions uh but in like you know the last five minutes is there anything you want to say to the free hour people or wrap up any loose threads for them or tell them how they might connect with you or where they can learn more about what you do 
Right now, I have uh, just a little uh, Instagram account. It's bio. It's at biocharisma. So just think biocharisma. Um, I got into making biochar in Costa Rica because there's no carbon in the soil. <laughs> you know, it's in the tropics. The the way the tropics are made, all the carbon is in in the biomass, which is above ground. But um, so I started a company a few years ago and like our little moniker is health from the ground up. So like it all starts with our, our where our roots are, what, what, uh, what are our roots actually embedded in? So I usually just do probably like one or two videos a week on there that are really short and showing the majority of the structures that I build. Um, Cause people like to see like, you know, <laughs> they want to see some meat, you know? Um, and then I also do consultations, like pretty much, um, I have a bunch of people that I, that I consult for all around the world. Like when they essentially will tell me what it is that they're looking for, like what their goal is in a property. And, um, I'll go and do site planning for them and, you know, consult with them to try and realize their dream for them. And depending on where they are in the world and where my crews are in the world, sometimes I'll, I'll build for them. But right now, um, my, what we got going down here in Costa Rica is like, you know, full go, uh, construction company down here. And then I'm tooling up to do that also in the Ozarks, because what I want to bring to the Ozarks is, um, I want to bring biochar, you know, there's tons of lumber industry in, in the Ozarks and you can convert a ton of the biomass waste that's produced in the lumber, in, in the lumber industry into, um, into biochar, which, you know, increases the yield of everybody's gardens. Like you wouldn't even believe like it's out of this world. And so, um, yeah, I would say the best way to, to come across my stuff is just uh, biocharisma on Instagram. So you'll be, the Ozarks are kind of a big place. You'll be in uh, Northwest Arkansas. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We're near Harrison, Arkansas. So we're, we're right by, I think we're like 30 minutes South of Eureka Springs. You know, I love that place, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, really, it's a really cool spot of the world. I uh, have a ton of good friends around there and shout out to Banjo who just made the exodus from the left coast all the way to basically right outside Eureka Springs. That's the, that's the one friend I really want to put you in touch with because he's got a huge homestead under construction and he lives on top of a mountain and it's uh, probably like less than a half hour from where you'll be or around about that. And man, you guys would hit it off. He's a super heady spiritual wook himself and <laughs> he's a glass blower. So shout out to oh, Banjo. Cool. Hope, you, hope you hear this one, buddy. I'm sure you will. Yeah, I think I actually linked to him through your site. They're like, what's what's his thing on Instagram? Banjo Glass. And yeah. his, his glass yeah, work yeah. is like I nothing you've art. ever... It's I, unbelievable how good his art is. His art is incredible. I'm, um, I, I'm just getting into the medium of metal as an art, as a, as a canvas for my art. And I love the brilliance of glass. Like what he's doing with the glass is just like, it, it speaks to me. I would love to talk with him. I, I, I just, I really appreciate what he's doing. Cool. Well, I have a feeling that your world's world will converge. Maybe you can like skill, skill swap. 
because yeah. he's practically got like a guild of glass blowers living with him, a tribe. And I think he's setting up to be able to have more than one, you know, yeah, more than one person in the workshop at once and do some teaching and apprenticeship. Probably. I want to okay. learn. It's cool too. I want to hear more about your art. We may need more than one conversation together to cover all these bases. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, awesome, man. Thanks for being here and blowing our minds for the first hour. And the second hour will be on Rockfin and Patreon. So if you guys out there listening aren't on one of those things yet, I highly recommend it because I think that now that we're getting warmed up, we ought to travel to some very interesting vistas with Topher here. episode in the can and wow one of those talks where at the end I'm like did we just become best friends (laughs) I'm really stoked on the fact that Topher is going to be living very near where I live and we ought to have the chance to meet up and I think I have a lot to learn I have a lot to learn because as much like informational knowledge as I have about these subjects practical application and real world experience is something I lack because mostly I sit here on this computer and make this show for everybody. I make the show for me, but you know, it's also for everybody. Topher's a real, real dude, like so many different things that he's got expertise on. It's a little bit mind boggling. Like I didn't know going into the talk, what we were going to discuss I had listened to him before, but I actually went and did something a little different, which was not, I didn't fully thoroughly research all the different times I've seen it, or he could have been on other shows and going through his material on his Instagram. I wanted to go in a little bit fresh and just see what happened. And I'm glad I did because we talked about stuff that probably wouldn't have happened if I tried to craft a show based on what I know that he's talked about before. So. Hopefully this was something unique. If you've heard him in previous podcasts, like on Crow or Rogue Ways, which were great episodes, then I would like to think that we've broke some new ground and uncovered and unearthed some some of the deeper layers of his amazing life journey and experience. After the talk, we actually stayed on the line once the recording was finished and kept communicating for for a good bit of time. And Yeah, some of the things he was telling me about Costa Rica were pretty crazy. I didn't know that they're the first ones like ever. I think they're the first country to uh, legally, you know, it's fake legal, but 
to pass the uh, the cooties cowpokes as a requirement for everybody all over the place. Makes me wonder how he got in there and he's getting back out of there, but he knows his rights. He knows the law. That was something that in the second hour we got into deeply. So I guess I'll just go to that. What did we talk about in the plus extension, which you can find on Rockfin or Patreon? Patreon's only five bucks a month and you get my whole archive of extended shows, video or RSS feed version. There's kind of an advantage to Patreon because you can actually copy and paste a URL for the RSS feed into your podcast player. That's a feature I really think Rockfin should implement somehow, but it's more of a video platform on Rockfin. So I guess that may or may not happen. Hopefully they do some good updates soon, but it's a good channel or it's a good, uh, it's a good platform still. Rockfin is only 10 bucks a month. You know, it's twice as much as Patreon, but you get all the, you know, infinite amount of content that other people put on there too, premium content. But you can also, if you are dead set on being a free listener and not checking out the second hours, you could be watching Interverse on Rockfin instead of YouTube if you want, uh, or instead of the, you know, RSS feed that you've got with your app, because that actually generates some royalties, royalties revenue for me. YouTube, of course, will never let me monetize. <laughs> I commit too much thought crime. Just today, people were leaving comments on my most recent video about how YouTube keeps unsubscribing them from me, which I think is hilarious. They won't outright martyr my channel by deleting it, but they will do a lot of shady shenanigans like unsubscribe people from the channel. Not surprising. But anyway, $10 a month for Rockfin, $5 a month for Patreon. They both have their pros and cons, but it'd be awesome to have your support and you get the extended version of the episodes, which are always more gravy filled than the first hour. It just works that way because we get all warmed up and yeah. So check out the show links in the description for links to go there. Patreon.com forward slash interverse or rockfin.com forward slash interverse. And what did we get into with Topher? I keep wanting to call him Christopher, but he prefers Topher, which is cool. Uh, so, <laughs> so we talked about the interesting qualities of building shapes that are and different uh, ceiling designs that may not be readily obvious, the qualities energetically and on a maybe radionics level. That was a good, good talk because we're all living in squares and rectangles and cubes here. So we really don't know what the advantages are to living in domes and other shapes of architecture. He also gave us a nice summary of the research of Weston Price, Dr. Weston Price, who was new to me. Maybe I've heard the name before, but I don't want to be pretentious and be like, I know who that is. So I asked him about it when he brought up that guy and he went in, and then uh, Topher went into a nice long flow about nutrition and eating seasonally based on what he learned from Price and probably from other sources too. And that's a subject I'd love to dig into for a whole episode in the future with somebody who's an expert on it. Then I asked him about Victor Schauberger and the magic of water. That got pretty interesting. Victor Schauberger is a, quite a character of the past. Makes me wonder about what people really knew before whatever type of reset was most recent. And then we, of course, discussed radionics, as promised, and ether physics. And then an awesome flow about becoming an energetic creditor. Basically, Topher gave us 
a, an excellent description of what he's learned from researching and studying law and how law applies spiritually. And another way of looking at it is like, what is true enlightenment? Being a creditor instead of a debtor is kind of like the real enlightenment, not, not the fake enlightenment of becoming like some sort of mystical being that's beyond the world, but somebody that actually exists in the world and in the nitty gritty and in the light and the dark, but is never in debt, never owes anybody anything, never loses connection to the spine, to the axis mundi of the world and their connection to the creator, the the life force energy, the self-existent Jehovah, whatever you want to say. And we kept him a little bit long over, over an hour for the second hour, as I wanted to talk more about consciousness, extended consciousness phenomenon, like displaced consciousness experiences, channeling, bilocation. And he gave us a really amazing uh, breakdown of his experience with channeling and not a recommendation to do it, to do it yourself. Actually, it led us to talking about the connection between possessing entities and physical parasites and his experience with that fractal, that fractality of dirty electricity beings coming into your field, puncturing your aura and how that leads and connects directly to physical flesh eating parasites. Really interesting stuff. So all that and more in the second hour. And I really hope you check it out. There's plenty of things I'd love to talk to him about beyond that. I uh, would be very interested to get him into a three-way conversation with maybe George Wiseman or Mitch, the Orgone donor. Both of those would be really cool. And uh, after the talk, after we finished the recording, he was telling me about his experience with real sky astrology and using astrolabes and trigonometry to chart the trajectory of the sun and <laughs> long story short uh this is something i want to look into more but like the question of is the sun really far away i think not and his experience seemed to insinuate that not only is the sun like here and present but it's holographic and its position is based on the observer not just about where it's physically located on the realm very very interesting so Definitely get in there and check that out. And what else is there to announce to you guys? Hmm. Well, I'm doing a ton of stuff besides just Interverse. I remind you every week that we do Vibrant on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on my YouTube and Rockfin channels. If you are just tuning in to the RSS feed, traditional podcast style, that's cool. And I do upload them there, but they are video episodes and they are live. And it's really fun to have you guys join us live and contribute your questions and maybe even call in. I'd love to see some new people calling in that I haven't seen before. Would be so cool. And also check us out on Telegram. We have a huge Telegram community. Really amazing how many like-minded, spiritually developing beings are there that can answer questions and share good vibes and show off each other's art and support each other, lift each other up. Because we need that more than ever. It's like time to get serious about building community. And lucky for me, I'm going to be able to contribute to a community that physically exists and physically meets with Topher and other people I know in the region. So I'm extremely excited about that. If you are in Missouri or Northwest Arkansas or roundabouts, maybe we should talk, like get into our Telegram channel. There's more than one of us in this area. 
of course, I'm happy to communicate with anybody from anywhere. That's excellent. And if we get enough people that are comfortable with each other over the internet, maybe some meetups can go on outside of where I live. But I definitely see the need and the the future imperative of coming together physically and, and doing stuff in the real world. So uh, what else is new? Well, I kicked off a, another new show because Interverse and Vibrant, not enough on top of doing the Wednesday, Wednesday night flow states with weaving spiders and the main show weaving spiders welcome on Saturday. All of that is four shows a week that I'm doing, which is awesome. Not counting interviews where I go on other people's podcasts. And since that isn't enough for me <laughs> and mainly because I wanted a, a more regular thing with my buddies, Gordon Hamill, Gordy two shoes and Gabriel, AKA slick dissident. We started what will be monthly. I think we're planning to do like the last Sunday of every month, a live stream where we decode the symbolism in Marvel movies, which if that sounds attractive to you, if you like movie analysis and breakdown, check that out. It is on my channels as well. The first one we did was last week and it was over the movie Eternals from, I think it's a 2021 movie. I think it came out last year and that was a great weave. So much knowledge about symbolism and archetypes and mythology comes through the discussion about a movie that utilizes these things, maybe for nefarious purposes, but we're able to dig in there and teach each other a lot. Super fun. So yeah, of all those things, probably what I most recommend that people watch is Weaving Spiders Welcome, even though that's not my show per se. I definitely love being a part of that crew and I learn a ton from them. And I learned a ton from Topher today. This is the type of conversation that is like exactly why I'm doing a podcast so I can learn from the experience of brilliant, loving human beings that have lived a life based on the principles that we talk about here and can teach us so much. So I'm really, really grateful for everything. Uh, would be awesome to work with you, whoever you are listening right now, personally in a one-on-one, -on -one, if you'd like to get in touch about doing some Oracle card counseling, spiritual counseling where I draw some cards for you and we talk about what the message from your higher self is in that moment. That'd be great. Or also we can do sound healing sessions. I've been having an excellent result with everybody that I have sound healing sessions with tuning you up with the tuning forks and it works remotely. If you've been listening for a while, I'm sure you've heard me talk about how and why it works remotely. But if you're curious, just go onto my website and find the sound healing page and check out some of the videos linked there for more information about the process and get in touch. Let's do one. Email me or telegram message me. One of those things. If I don't respond right away, it's just because I'm a bit behind on messaging any given day. <laughs> I don't like the whole like real time instant message communication aspect of the internet. I'd rather take it at my own time. And often I only get in my emails like every day or two. Try not to feel guilty about that because a lot of people in my position put tons of energy and focus on always communicating back really quick. It's hard for me to do that. It's just not exactly my nature. I got so many interests and things going on at once. So it's nothing personal if I'm a little slow to respond, but I do want to work together. So hit me up and uh, thanks for listening. Really love that I get to do this and connect with everybody. It's my life's dream to be in this position and it's growing and getting better all the time. So I have nothing but 
humongous gratitude for all of that. I'm going to play us out with a song from my friend, My Own Eyes. His name is Michael, actually, or Mike, a real-life personal in-the-flesh friend who makes really great music. Links to all this and more, including the music we're about to hear in the show notes. Check it out. Go support. Listen for free on SoundCloud or Spotify. And this song is called Mothership, which feels appropriate because the earth is kind of like our mothership. So, okay, we'll play that and move on with our life. Huge things going on in the interverse world. Many amazing guests and conversations coming up soon. Can't wait to learn more and share what we learn with everybody. Much love to you all and uh, enjoy the rest of Aquarius season. And enjoy this song, Mothership, by My Own Eyes. All right, bye-bye. Thank you.